most people give out of their income statement. They give out of their available cash. And oftentimes it's in their taxable income cash. So they go through all of the earning and then getting taxed on it and then give it away. As our net worth goes up, the percentage of our net worth in cash goes down dramatically. Most of our wealth ends up being held in other investments. If you can learn the tax code makes available to us to give out of your balance sheet, not your income statement, there's some really amazing things that happen. Welcome to Tech Careers and Money Talk, the podcast for financially focused technology employees. Are you working for equity? Do you have questions on how your career and money work together? Then welcome. Every week we discuss strategies and tactics for how to grow your career, build wealth, and reach your financial and lifestyle goals. Welcome to Tech Careers and Money Talk. I'm your host, Christopher Nelson. Is there a way that you can strategically donate to nonprofits that can allow you to keep more money? Yes, there is. There's a way that you can maximize your giving impact as well as being able to keep more cash when you get to the end of the year and you file your tax returns. We're gonna talk about that today in the second half of our episode. In the first half of our episode, we're going to teach you how do you actually vet nonprofits. And what are the questions that you ask so that you can understand where they are in their growth cycle and the impact that they're going to deliver? We're going to do this by interviewing a friend and a founder of a nonprofit organization that is doing things vastly different than you see a lot of places in the market today. And it gives you an example to see, touch and feel what does great look like. Because when you understand what great looks like, the benchmarks, and you see and understand the type of conversations that you can have, then you can have that on your own. I'm super excited to share this with you today. Let's talk to James right now. I want to welcome James Harrington to Tech Careers and Money Talk. James Harrington is the CEO and founder of the Ugandan Water Project. He's focused on creating a sustainable enterprise to solve the water poverty problem in Uganda. The key thing to note about him is that he actually started his career as a roadie in a church band. And I did have to let him know that this is a podcast interview where this isn't a fundraiser today. (laughs) Thanks for dressing up, James. Thanks. Well, only the best for you and your audience. It's great to be here, Christopher. (laughs) Well, thanks so much. I appreciate it. So we want to spend some time today understanding, you know, how do we evaluate nonprofits in strategic giving? And to get right into it, I witnessed, so I had the privilege to go with you to the Ugandan Water Project, walk on the ground in Uganda and see an organization that is building a sustainable solution. That's different than going and dropping off resources and saying, I'm going to help you today in disappearing. This is truly a process of today, tomorrow, and forever. When we go and look at nonprofits and we ourselves as high net worth individuals want to make investments as our donations, right? We want to really create impact. Yeah. How do we evaluate, you know, and understand people that are giving for short term versus people that are building for long term sustainability? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think the first lens that I pull out is to ask myself, you know, what is what is the the need here? Is this organization tackling uh, relief, rehabilitation or development? Right. So we're all familiar with the newsmakers for relief, right? Emergency relief, these crisis situations. I have myself been, you know, have gone into these uh, international disasters, right? Uh, that's a very different intervention than development. In between, there's this uh, rehabilitation where you're trying to get from disaster to uh, development. 
But most of the work that's going on in this world is in that development stage where it's long, slow, methodical relationship building, really trying to balance, you know, the, the intervention and making sure it's healthy for everybody involved, that you're not positioning the organization or the donor isn't positioning themselves as, as the savior, but really partnering with. So that's the first lens I get out is I'm just asking, hey, is this a relief, rehabilitation or development interaction? And most of the time it, we're talking about development long term, whether it's locally in our in our communities here or international. So that's the first lens. Yeah. And so when you think about international development, like what percent of giving in the United States is going towards international development today? <laughs> You'd be surprised when it comes to charitable giving uh, that, that you and I participate in. Uh, it's only about 7% of, of philanthropy is going to international causes. So you see about, you, you see it in the news or you see it online, you hear about it. A vast majority of our giving is locally. And, and I, I don't have a problem with that. I live most of my life in my local community. But for what I do for work, the organization I lead, we recognize there's a lot of intrepidation and fear and just ignorance of like, hey, I don't, this is weird. You want to take my money and take it to where? And it's a long ways away. And they hear all these crazy stories. So yeah, only a small percentage. And I think that's because there's a lot of fog of just like, I don't know what to expect. If I'm coming into an organization like yours and I'm a donor walking in the front door, what what is some of the first level questions that is really important for me to ask so that I can understand you know, who you are and, and why uh, you should be on my list of companies to donate to? Honestly, it's an excellent question. And I myself am also a donor. I mean, there's causes I care about. And so really there's there's three go-to questions for me. And that the first one is, hey, what is the goal? I don't mean the lofty ethereal vision of the future. That's important. But I'm talking about, hey, what is the goal, the big, the BHAG, right? That people are, that this organization is working on. What's the goal? How do you measure progress to that goal? Like there should be a way to measure the progress. And then how is the organization doing on that progress? And I think that's so important because I know for what we're doing in Uganda, the Ugandan Water Project is trying to bring safe and sustainably managed water to all the people in Uganda. And that's the goal. And it's really clear. And then we have it gets a little more in the weeds as to how we measure that progress. And then, But transparently, we should be able to tell you if we're making that progress or not. And that's a great conversation for the donor and the organization to get into. Uh, to see if it's a great fit. And so if you ask somebody a question and let's say their answer, their goal, you can tell right away it's too broad. Is that something that would be a, a scenario where it may not be a good fit for you because you, you don't see them focused enough? I mean, I, I want to try and, <laughs> you know, just sort of mod, well, just yeah. model up some of these situations, no ding on anyone, but yeah. you know, how do we, how do we make good choices? Yeah, I would say, it's important to leave a little room for the progression because honestly, you you know, you as a donor, donors actually participate in the development of that vision a lot of times. And so even just engaging in the conversation, if there's a lot of other great things about the organization, sometimes the conversation you're having helps them dial those things in. And so it could be it could be that they're more focused in their in their work than they are in the way they talk about it. And so I think Yes, it's good to ask yourself, like, hey, if this seems so big and ethereal, or if they're a, a brand new organization, say they're saying they're going to change the course of a nation, it, you know, there's a little bit of a scale and balance. It's not believable, but 
sometimes it's just a matter of organizations feel like they have to talk huge, even though they have a good tactical approach. So the conversation itself is a, is a really important part of discovery. Well, and it sounds like this goes back to uh, this this model that you you spoke about before, right? Relief, rehabilitation, and development is how do then these goals? How does that line up with some of those? I would call that an execution methodology to make sure that, okay, that that's sort of congruous. And then going beyond that, it sounds like the next level is, is there is a, not just how they're doing on meeting the goals, but there is a, how are you meeting your goals? Like what is the way that you're actually moving the ball forward that we can actually see and understand that as well? Yeah. And, and I, I will say like some of those conversations with some of our most vested donors, because we really look at it as, like you said, as investors, as partners, we started out really focusing on water projects for rural communities, just more and more and more of those. But it was in that dialogue, we realized, hey, this is not the, the, the singular way to reach our goal. And it began to open a really great dialogue that challenged us to add not just safe water today, but sustainability tomorrow, and the systems change policy kind of water security forever. And so honestly, it's, it's uh, engaging in that interactive dialogue oftentimes uh, can really move things from, from one level of effectiveness to, to another. Well, and I can say from my perspective, you know, engaging with your organization and some other ones that we consistently provide to uh, and donate to, to your point, to your earlier you know, uh, term, see us as investors and as partners, meaning that we're not you know, you, you may think of donation as I put something out and it sort of goes away, but they see us as, you know, investing our money and they also see us as thought leadership partners and take the opportunity to say, you have a business mind, you understand how to solve complex problems, help us solve this. What do you think? You know, tell us where we're, where we may have a potential blind spot. How do you, you know, how do you feel like it's most important to engage with donors so that there is that mutual value? Yeah, well, I think, you know, again, continuing this idea of looking at as we're investing together into change. Um, and, and with that, there is a partnership within our team. We often talk about, hey, this is this is the mission that we're that, you know, our donors are hiring us to, to accomplish. Like there's stakeholders that are saying, hey, we want to we want to see this happen. And you can do it. We can't, but we can do it together. And so I think just having the, the collaborative approach is important. Now, granted, we have some of those investors who are saying, hey, I don't need to be in all the conversations. And I already have plenty of right. friends. I believe in what you're doing. Just take my money and, and go get to work. And then there's other people who are saying, no, I want to get down in the trenches with you. You know, clearly, you know, you and your family just literally got down in the trenches with us. So you're, you're <laughs> at one end of the spectrum. Yes. But I think, you know, asking that question of, mm -hmm. hey, is there room within within this uh, set of relationships for the way I like to engage as a donor with this mission? You know, and I think, that's, that, again, those are important things to explore. They are. And I really like your response because it is important for for us, you know, as, as high net worth individuals, as we're engaging in this, realizing that we can want to engage in multiple different ways. To your point, I love the way that that you phrased it, saying, "I am investing for change." I, you know, there's there was a part of you know my 20 year career, a large part of it was really spent in commerce and generating revenue, and the impact we did was was growing these commercial enterprises. That was great, and I I got a lot of 
enjoyment from that. However, in this phase of my life, I want to invest for impact. I want to see it, touch it, feel it. But other you know, donors and, and, and or investors of change may not want to have that same participation, and that is okay. However, I do think it is important that there you have a framework as a responsible investor of your money to understand where your dollars are going. Yeah. Yeah, you'll have a lot more confidence and that really will unlock your passion for the cause too. Because as your confidence, the alignment between you and the and the organizations you're you're investing with, as that alignment is improved, your your trust improves and your confidence to to really go out there and be part of telling that story, that that goes through the roof. We as donors become advocates to bring our friends to the table as well, and we're able to then, you know, compound the change. So we, so the framework, I love the the simple framework, walk in the door, we're asking the three questions, you know, what are your goals? How do you measure them? And then how are you executing and how are you doing, you know, as far as your goals go, what, what should we think about in the ways that we ask about operations versus impact? I know that some people can have, you know, some, some opinions Well, wait, if it's operationally laden, uh, you know, I'm not going to invest in that. The reality, though, is you are a business and you may be going through different cycles. You know, how should we be thinking about asking the question and and what are the answers we should be listening for? Yeah, so I think it's important to ask the, the question of what percentages and, and things like to be aware of how what's you know, what's the what's the general tendency of the organization uh, to make sure that that really, um, you know, it really resonates for you personally. Um, but you know, know that know where they're at in their strategy cycle. But sometimes one snapshot today doesn't mean that that's how it reflects every every year. Well, because you go through cycles like other companies where you may be investing in growth, you may be investing in training, uh, you may be investing in core infrastructure. Hey, we need to buy a truck this year or other things, other pieces of things like that. So uh, how do you generally you know, if somebody's asking that question, I mean, what should what should we expect to hear if somebody is being transparent and you're walking us through a business plan? Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, like so many situations, knowing your numbers is really important, right? So certainly, I come into those conversations conversations ready to talk about real numbers, real percentages, and not just right now, but sort of, hey, this is where we've been, and this is where we anticipate to be going, like. And, and that, that transparency and specificity, again, builds trust with prospective investors and donors. And then I also talk about, again, that sort of anecdotal of like, here's what we're trying to do. Because, because where I just spent the money is less important than where we're going with the mission, right? And so when I say, hey, here's the opportunity ahead of us. So, uh, you know, we're getting ready to support the National Ministry of Water and the Environment in Uganda with a major strategic uh, lift to help them move forward. Well, guess what? We're, we're spending money on hiring people, training people right now, because we don't want to get into that and uh, not be prepared. So I talk about what's ahead so that those prospective donors know, oh, wow, what a great thing it is to see an increase in admin costs right now. Because that means we're not going to be caught unprepared. Right. And we're going to be ready to go in and execute on a critical project. I think you're right, especially on admin versus impact. I think it's important for us as donors to really understand the business plan, get aligned, and how that executes to mission. Now, 
I believe I shared this story with you, but I think it's important to talk about the time when I was a young man, impressionable in college, and somebody came around. They called me on the phone, and they were selling, uh, you know, stickers to the order of police. I bought a twenty dollars sticker, and when I put it on my window, one of my friends said, "That's a ripoff." And I asked, "What do you mean?" And they said. They didn't give me the answer, but they said the next time they call, now you're on the list. They're probably going to call you incessantly. Ask them how many dollars, how much of a dollar goes towards the actual cost, how much goes towards fundraising, because by law they have to tell you. And when they call back again, you know, really a few days later to see how much more I wanted to lean into this, I asked them the question and they said, it, you know, it was something ridiculous, like like 20 cents or not even that, I think it was like 20 or 10 cents on every dollar actually went to the cause. You know, it was like an 80% fundraising load. What, what is something that's reasonable? Like help us understand, you know, and obviously fundraising goes in seasons too, but when we think about an entire, uh, you know, nonprofit, what, what is normal or what's reasonable? I think there's such a wide range uh, of nonprofits out there. And so what I'll speak to is I know for the, for the kind of work that we do in international development uh, and certainly the water sector, I know that there's sort of a, a threshold where trying to maintain your costs below 20% um, is sort of a, a target that a lot of us aim at. And, you know, sub 20, that, that's just sort of a, a, a target for us that we're like, hey, this is sort of a standard of excellence we're trying to manage towards. And we just want to be aware if we're getting close to that boundary for us of challenging our own efficiency. That doesn't mean we're going to let that percentage decide how we steward and execute on mission, but it is sort of a, that's a flag when we start to get in that zone to say, hey, we need to examine this and challenge our, ourselves. Also, just as you get to know the relationships, like I'll never forget the first year that our organization literally not just raised it, but we wired in a year over a million dollars to Uganda. And that had been a goal of mine just because just I was like, man, it just would feel so good to see that. And when you talk to me and you know that that fire burns in someone's belly, you're like, oh, these guys are trying to make impact. So look for those indicators of what they have aside from the donor's question. What are their own like just burning like, yeah, I want to see this happen. Well, and to that point, how much like when you think about your personal selection and where you donate, how much is dictated by leadership, not just meaning a single person, but, you know, a, a group of people that are really, you know, on meet on mission there. It's huge because honestly, uh, you know, all the resources in the world, it, it's like, you know, the money is fuel, right? And, and if you've got a full tank of fuel, um, that's not what wins a race. Uh, we have a friend, Jim Adams, who's really into, he's been exploring racing, right? At the end of the day, there's a lot more to just fuel that wins a race. You've got to actually be able to drive and you've got to have a team keeping that car running. And so I think um, the fuel is critical. You cannot win a race without it, but so much more relies on the team. And for us, that team is that what really makes things happen. So I think it's absolutely important to know, you know, the longevity of the team, what the turnover is. Uh, you know, sort of where they're at in their life cycle, because it matters if you're getting onto getting onto a train and the and the engineer is getting ready to hop off. You're like, oh, wait a minute, this is a very different experience than if you know someone's like, oh yeah, I got you know 10 years more of vision personally. So I think that how they pipeline leaders, you know, 
is this a, a top down or a, a single personality at the center kind of, of organization, or are they really raising up um, young dynamic leaders and, and helping develop them and get them into the mission too? So we've covered off on you know some of the fundamental questions you would ask thinking about operations versus impact. Tell us, you know, as we start closing out this section of the conversation, you know, what are some more advanced level questions as you're doing a deeper dive? And if, if you know, you think about uh, one of us, we're, we're doing a significant donation, you know, of, of high five or six figures, even seven figures. What are some questions that we should yeah. be asking? Yeah. Uh, first of all, if you've never, you know, just like you and I as individuals or families, we submit a, you know, an end of the year tax year, a, a 1040, right? Our tax return. Organizations submit a 990. Uh, and so, you know, 10 minutes on YouTube will give you a little quick guide of how to work your way through that to understand what are you looking at. But that's a great resource. Every public charity has to file one of those. And that's one snapshot that allows you to go, okay, this will give me some understanding of some of the financials and some of the big programs and again, transparency. So, and you can even see like the board and things like that. So, Knowing your way around that really equips a donor as they're doing their due diligence. I think uh, what they put out there on their website and um, what they make accessible to you um, is also just a great question to look at their social media feed um, and and certainly their website. Um, you know what what financials or audits do they make it available to the public? And then um, you know I, I think aside from that, looking at some of the uh, external references. So for instance, Charity Navigator or Candid, there's some of these third parties that are sort of the equivalent of the Better Business Bureau for nonprofits that say, you know, like we work really hard to maintain a candid platinum seal of transparency for our organization because we know that, hey, if people are already wary about giving overseas, this is one thing we can do to say, don't take our word for it, ask these folks. And so I think those are a few different strategies that you can add to your due diligence kind of process when you're making a stop and think gift. Well, and that's that's great because from what you just said, not only can we do some external vetting, but we can actually then get a hold of the financials and really do a a deep dive on those to go in and have rich conversations as we're trying to understand the business plan, understand the mission, and those types of things. What what are indicators to you that a nonprofit is is being transparent? able to uh, really make some of the, the reports and financials available, like how easy is it to find out those in, the, the information? Uh, you know, technically, every public charity is supposed to make that accessible upon request at the very least. But uh, it's a very big difference to, to have that really right there, easy to find two or three places on the website, or if you see it in their social media, like, oh, hey, here's a quarterly report from such and such, or here's our annual report. And how much detail do you provide in that? Um, so part of it is just looking for how accessible is it to really pop the hood. Um, the other is just how responsive is the organization? Uh, you know, if you reach out to them, do they answer the phone? Do they respond within a day or so? You know, some some organizations don't have big staff, so a little grace for small organizations. But if they're not responsive, um, that's an indicator of of transparency. So I think those are a few things, uh, but, you know, just, just, you know, what is it you want to know and can you get at it is, is a big, is a big, you know, starting point to orient yourself. 
Well, thank you so much for giving us this overview of how do we act, evaluate a nonprofit. I think you gave us some some key things that we can start with and some even more advanced. I want to take a break right here. And when we come back, I want to spend the second half really talking about strategic giving. What are some of the vehicles that we can use and what are some of the strategies that we can implement? Because this is something where I got a, a little bit of a um, you know, bus ride MBA as, as we were spending some time together and, and learned some things that I didn't. So I really am excited to share those. So we'll be right back. All right. We are back with James Harrington, CEO and founder of the Ugandan Water Project. And from his perspective, you know, sitting on the nonprofit side, he understands a litany of ways to strategically give. Now, for many of us, and I know for many years, myself and my wife, Regine, our strategy was at the end of the year, we have a few uh, nonprofits that we want to donate to, we write large checks, and we just pass it over. What I came to understand is that it's a very inefficient way to give for a couple of reasons. Number one is we're providing these large dollars at the end of the year that may not allow the nonprofits to have time to strategically plan. Uh, there's also other vehicles that we can use to be more strategic in the way that we're giving. So one of the vehicles that I learned about that we utilize today is a donor advised fund, very lightweight, very easy to stand up. In fact, Daffy is a Daffy.com, I believe is a uh, nonprofit or sorry, a donor advised fund that you can stand up. And that vehicle, anytime we personally write a check to it, it is a nonprofit entity that then allows us to get the write off immediately. And then we can strategically give, whether that's large gifts, whether that's giving monthly recurring revenue, which is a way that we really like to give. So we can be part of a, you know, the run rate of impact, if you will. But that's, I mean, again, there's even more beyond that. So take a few minutes, uh, talk to us about, you know, donor advice funds, strategies, and then and then we'll get into some more advanced strategies as well. I think it's so, it's so exciting to me because I think this is where you can really get into some, some real uh, partnership and helping people. Because I can't tell you, I got really excited about this because I had so many conversations over the years of people saying, I love what you're doing. I just wish I could do more. And realizing it as I, as I educated myself and, and as we learned from experts or even some donors came in with different levels of knowledge that I, I learned from and then pass it on, realized that you can do, and your audience will understand this because of the, what you guys talk about all the time. Most people give out of their income statement. They give out of their available cash, right? And oftentimes it's in their taxable income cash. So they go through all of the earning and then getting taxed on it and then give it away. Um, and the truth is, as our net worth goes up, the percentage of our net worth in cash goes down dramatically. Uh, most of our wealth ends up being held in, in other investments, everything from intellectual property to real estate to business interests, right? And so 90% of the assets that Americans have are non-cash, uh, only 10% is cash, and yet three quarters of our giving is in cash. And so the truth is, if you can learn some of the the things that, that the, the tax code makes available to us to give out of your balance sheet, not your income statement, there's some really amazing things that happen. You, you can end up giving percentages of interest through a DAF to, in real estate or in a C-corp or S-corp. And what's amazing is in the early 80s, 
this was pioneered by a businessman who he was just passionate about a cause. And he went to his CPA and his attorney and said, can we appeal to the IRS if I wanted to give some shares in my C corporation to this cause I love? Could they honor it the same way as if I was doing a stock donation? And they, the IRS approved it and it set a precedent that allows some really creative donations that ultimately can allow you to give more to a cause, uh, certainly dramatically reduce your taxable, uh, your, your tax that you pay, and then end up often with actual more cash in your pocket for your family. It's, it's counterintuitive. But it's amazing some of the options that are out there that we just aren't aware of most. It's it's true, and and this works very very well for technology employees who have incentive stock options, non qualified stock options. Well, more for non qualified stock options or RSUs, restricted share units, that you can actually then go and take the fully appreciated shares, transfer them into your donor advised fund, and. As James said, then we get to donate the full value. I know that before we discovered this, uh, and we we did discover this a couple of years back, we would then liquidate shares, give the cash, but we didn't realize, okay, we were giving then a portion to the government instead of being able to, to give all of it to the nonprofit. And when you have this shift between income statement giving and balance sheet giving, it gives you a lot more flexibility to be able to, and this is what's in it for us as donors, is we can give the amount that we want and we can then keep more of our cash. That turns it into a win-win for everybody. Absolutely. And, and, and it really is surprising when you start to realize that you can give long before it ever hits a taxable state. And, and in that, your values and your assets get aligned in a way that's really satisfying. Uh, I've talked to business owners who are approaching a wealth event, an exit, and there's almost a grief because they've poured their heart and soul into their company and they know it's time to exit, but they, it's painful because they're like, oh, 40% of whatever happens next is going towards taxes. And they don't realize that if, that if you want to get intentional about it, um, yeah, you know, the tax guy is going to take it or you can donate it. You are going to part with a portion. But man, what a legacy opportunity for you, for your family, for the causes that really light your heart on fire. And so I love it that we, one of the things I love doing is just connecting people to some of these experts that we've uh, built relationships with over the years that can say, hey, I can be your guide to help you understand this. Or I can, some of these work in conjunction with your current CPA, with your current wealth manager. It, it's not trying to move you to a new account and saying, hey, no, this is someone that can help you plot that out with your current team. And that's amazing. It really is because, you know, for people, I know people who are listening into this, they do go through acquisitions. They accumulate a lot of stock and there is a real way that you can then provide impact to these organizations that are doing things you want to do. And generally speaking, the way it comes out in the wash is you keep more cash. You you are able to you know hold on to to some of these other things. So I think it's definitely something to to look into. We're the one who who pointed me towards Daffy. Do you see that there are other players coming out that are taking, you know, what I mean? I I know when we got our first donor advised fund, I think in 2013 or 2014, the experience was a little bit clunky. But are there, <laughs> you know, more uh, you know, avenues, 
I, I guess you would call it fintech that's popping up that you're seeing? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, a, and if you never heard of Daffy, that's a great one because they got a real easy interface. It's super fast. Uh, you know, I think it, it's a lot more complex for me to get a, y, a YMCA membership than it is for me to open a donor <laughs> advised fund these days. Um, but the truth is, many many of the uh, many of the financial institutions that you're already working with on investments have a donor advised fund. Um, now they don't all know how to handle complex gifts. So, like if you're saying, "Hey, we have you know not just publicly traded securities, which most people know how to handle," but you're like, "Hey, I have LLC interests or mineral rights or a limited partnership that I want to commit a part of." There are it's a smaller group. You know, National Christian Foundation actually pioneered that in the early 80s. And so they're, they're a great one. If you have complex gifts, they know how to handle just about anything. And, uh, and so I think what's cool is you've got both ends of the spectrum. You've got these ultra lean, almost it's more of an app experience than you have the traditional, you know, Fidelity and, you know, Morgan Stanley. They all have DAF vehicles. And then you get some of these specialty houses like NCF that really say, Oh yeah, if you if you've got an interest in an alligator farm in Florida that you want to commit to your charity of choice, we can figure out how to how to buy and hold that or buy and sell it. In partnership with your nonprofit, one of the things that you taught me as well is if if I want to give a lump sum, there are strategic ways to then partner with you that say, well, let's think about timing and other things because you can then two uh, x your impact, and while that won't be the write off or benefit or more cash in my pocket, it allows me to take what I'm giving and expand that. What are some of those strategies? Yeah. Well, well, yeah. And, and here again, we're getting back into that uh, positioning as we're, we're investing together, right? And and so you, you want to see this mission move forward. And so if you provide that strategic lead gift, oftentimes that is providing uh, your, your you are blazing a trail for other donors to come in and participate. Uh, people like to do things together as a community. Uh, and oftentimes your courageous visionary step of investment can entice others to take a step that might be a bigger step than they would normally take. And so oftentimes we've worked with, um, you know, folks that are able to, to give a more strategic sized gift and we say, let's position this as a lead gift or a matching gift. And it, it will, the way I like to say this, it activates other, uh, other donations, other resources. Um, and in it, for the organization that you're giving to, it often helps us to open up partnerships because it's not just, uh, activating our donors. Sometimes we're going to another, another collaborator and saying, Hey, we have a lead gift. Do you want to come in? We'll do this together. And then you've got the alchemy of skills and experience and communities coming together. So. But I think it's a great question to ask as a donor to say, hey, we're thinking of something like this. How would, you know, hypothetically, how have you used gifts like that in the past to be a catalyst or for a tipping point uh, gift, something to move something across the goal line? And is there anything on your horizon that, you know, you would get excited to be able to do something like that? That helps you, the donor, know how to use your resources. But it also helps you see how the organization that you're, you know, that you're learning to love, how they think and, and what what they would do with that, you know. So I think it's I think it's exciting. Well, and this has all been, you know, very insightful because, you know, ultimately we want to think as investors with our money. You know, we t we spend our time and talent, we get the tech equity, and there's a huge opportunity for us to invest 
for change, to invest for impact through nonprofits. And so being able to vet them and then having strategic ways that we're giving is essential to you know our skill set. So thank you so much for sharing those today. Before we wrap up, we always have a bit of a fire round. Going to walk you through a few few of our questions here. Yeah, let's get ready. So, how do you keep learning? What what are ways that you continue to learn? You're in this space. I see you as an innovator there. How do you keep how do you keep learning? You know, obviously I'm always listening and reading and things like that, but I would say the biggest learning I do is is in relationship to uh, other people that I know share that aggressive appetite for learning. So I love to be in community with other aggressive learners that are that are uh, challenging me to think differently and learn alongside them. Oh, that's great. Now I know you have a heavy travel schedule, and you know you 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 know you have a business that spans a couple continents. So how do you recharge? Yeah, uh, making sure that I have rest scheduled is one part of it. Uh, as much as I you know I'm often as soon as my feet hit the floor, I'm I've got. I've got, you know, most of my staff is eight hours ahead. So yeah, long hours sometimes making sure I've got time, downtime scheduled. And then knowing that as much as I travel for work, that discovery and adventure is a part of how I recharge. So making sure I have some travel that's not work on my schedule as well. That's, that's important. Fills my soul. Uh, that's huge. What soft skill has helped your career the most? Yeah, uh, honestly, uh, learning to ask great questions. Uh, so really just, you know, open-ended, curious questions that, that draw you into uh, a relationship with other people, uh, improving the quality of my questions has improved the quality of my life so dramatically. All right. So we are, you know, a, a, a career in money show. So the last two questions, number one, or the, the number four would be what's advice that you'd give your, your younger self for, from a career perspective? Yeah, I would get more intentional about the network, the professional network uh, that the younger James uh, was was not even aware of. I'd be like, hey, start in your 20s, getting intentional about connecting with professional mentors, professional colleagues and professional community, because when I got serious about that, that's when I mean, again, relationships are rocket ships. We've said it before. And it, that really launched me forward. So I, younger James could have benefited from a, another few years of being aware of that. And so the last one is, what is the worst, the worst money or investing advice you've ever received? That you're going to save or cut costs or coupon yourself to success, right? You know, like nothing wrong with people that enjoy that, but you cannot coupon yourself to a financial transformation. Instead, focusing on the asset skills and value add that I bring to the table, uh, that's what I discovered. And so often in my younger years, it was like, how do I conserve, cut, shave, you know, trim my way to success? Right. Oh my gosh, that is not going to work. Yeah. And it can, yeah, it can be just mentally exhausting. So tell people how they can find out more about you and the Ugandan Water Project. Absolutely. Well, no surprise, UgandanWaterProject.com is a great resource for you. As we said, we love being transparent. We love connecting. You can find us on social media. Uh, just look for Ugandan Water Project on Facebook, Instagram, uh, X, whatever you, you prefer. And then I'm really transparent. So james at ugandanwaterproject.com is my email address. And I actually do want to hear from you. So feel free to ask questions about what Christopher and I have been talking about or anything that you'd like to know more about Ugandan Water Project. 
Well, James, can't thank you enough. It's super valuable information. I will uh, let you get to your event now. <laughs> All right, thank you. <laughs> Take care. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I just have one ask. Please go to techcareersandmoneynews.com. Yes, techcareersandmoneynews.com and subscribe to our new newsletter. That's where you can get weekly information on how to grow your career, build wealth, and meet your financial goals. Thank you.